0: who are looking to understand the key training variables and their effect on the simultaneous development of strength and endurance performance. Get your copy now, available to buy from Amazon. Now let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to The Progress Theory where we discuss how to implement scientific principles for optimizing human performance. I am Dr. Phil Price and this is the season three review. We're joined by Cult Media founder and the producer of The Progress Theory, Matt Cheney. And together we reflect on how we run our podcast, what our favorite episodes were from season three and what you can expect from season four. What was your favourite moment or episode from Season 3? Well, we want to hear about it, so please leave a comment on our Instagram or on our YouTube, or even better, leave us a review on Podchaser or wherever you download your podcasts. Here is Season 3 Review. Matt, how are we doing? I'm very well, thank you, Phil. How are you? I'm not too bad. Thank you for coming on The Progress Theory, because this is the Season Review. Uh, And I know you've got a lot of questions for me. yeah. So I'm kind of looking forward to them. One, just to have a nice reflection because we've had so many good guests on this show and it'd be good to really take out those key messages that have really been profound for me. And also just my experiences, I guess, as a new
1: podcast host. Yeah, finding your feet. Exactly. So how have you enjoyed it? This is season three. How have you enjoyed this more recent series? You've done 12 interviews three performance reviews, and you produce one podcast trailer as well. I think it's been absolutely great.
0: As selfishly, it's been really good because I've learned so much. And I've really enjoyed the fact that we have got such a range of speakers onto the show. Um, mm. And from that, I mean, I have so many interests within the world of human performance that it'll be so difficult just to focus on one particular area. One, because there's so many different areas that are so interesting. And human performance is so multifactorial anyway. So just focusing on Mm. one area is not going to help if you want to try and improve your performance, whether it be a particular sporting event or just in general life. So I think that the season has been very well-rounded.
1: Yeah, real variety of people.
0: Like he's had certain episodes which are focused on particular topics, certain episodes that's focused on particular sports, uh, and you can draw out your own conclusions from them. So... Mm. No, i think it's been absolutely brilliant and then i guess the performance reviews have been a really good opportunity for me to really reflect on how things are going ultimately what i wanted from the progress theory was okay we discuss scientific principles and we discuss about how we apply them but at the end of the day like i said everything's so multifactorial you don't fully know that it's going to go well so you need to have that reflection process to Really truly understand okay, I made this decision. This was my rationale for including this. Okay, if mm. it didn't go to plan, like what went wrong, was it just the right application for the wrong time? You know, there's so many different things that can affect uh, human performance. So, yeah, the performance review has allowed me to be very critical of what I was doing, and ultimately, yeah. that's why I wanted to do the performance review. I wanted to show that level of okay here's my rationale. These are my decisions. This is how it went. This is how I reflect. What would I do next? Because yeah. uh, I think that's a process that everyone
1: needs. But it's that learning process, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So talking about learning from your mistakes and improving, um, hmm. what key things have you learned from you know, season one to season two, now to season three finale? What have you learned about podcasting?
0: Podcasting in general, like as in the actual of creating yeah. a podcast,
1: how's it changed over the last three seasons? So, just
0: to give a bit of history for the Progress Theory, the idea was originally generated by myself and Freddie Reedhead. Um, he, we had a conversation because he was doing a particular challenge where he was uh, climbing to the stratosphere, but he was doing it in his um, in his house over his, his staircase so that required him to go up and down his, as you do that required him to go up and down his staircase for 10k and we talked about you know what he might need to do what he might need to consider in preparation for that event and then yeah when we got off the phone we were like that would have been a great podcast we should have recorded that episode <laughs> And then it spiraled from there. We thought, well, why couldn't we do other challenges and then do similar podcasts where we talk about the training, we reflect on the training and talk about how we make certain programming or training decisions. Yeah. And then Freddie was doing a lot of work in Italy at the time for season two so he decided to take a step down and we uh, and Daryl Green got involved and we had the concurrent training challenge so it kind of took it to the next step where we went into a little bit more depth around certain scientific principles uh, and applying that to a particular challenge so that was 11 weeks a number of different topics and again it allowed to develop that process of okay science rationale Training program, do it. How did it go? Reflect, change, you know, all that sort of thing. How does it affect your perception on certain particular scientific rationales? Um, yeah. So that was that was really good fun. I had a really good time, despite the fact that we did that marathon at the end and my calf went, oh, it's my Selaeus. Selaeus <laughs> went in kilometer two out of 42.2, isn't it? Short lived. So soleus, I just limped yeah. around. But, uh, did it so it was just a great learning experience and on top of that we had matt tyler for some of them uh some episodes because we decided to do those round tables which i thought were really fun because it allowed multiple different people talking about a topic they're passionate about but coming at it from different angles because you've got daryl and matt are coaches i'm predominantly a scientist and academic or a coach but not to the extent yeah. that those guys were so we're going to have different perception of what's i don't know what a comfort the theory zone is for example yeah exactly and that's what i found fascinating because you could have take us three our knowledge in a particular area could be the same but how we perceive that could be completely different so how we then apply that into a certain situation like a program is going to be completely different. So you've got something the same and then we've all gone our different directions from that, which I think is quite fascinating. Um, And then that was season two. And then season three, that's when uh, we got involved. We got involved with uh,
1: Cult Media. The Magic Partnership. It's been interesting, isn't it? It's been good. Mm -hmm. I've enjoyed watching you flourish. (laughs) Flourish. Yeah, flourish. What have you learned about interviewing people?
0: Everyone listens to podcasts and everyone has their favorites. So it's like, okay, I particularly like that uh, podcast. Why? And a lot of the time it was because of the host and how they made it conversational. So they took something that might seem like quite a complicated scientific topic and then they have turned that through discussion into something that was much more easy to consume as information and then because of that you're able to like oh okay if that's the case maybe what if i applied it here what happens if this happens you start developing questions and i find that really hard to do if the podcast is very interview like yeah yeah too formal because then it's like one person asks the question then you've got like five minutes worth of someone answering the question and then the host goes, all oh, right, cool. Yeah. And then they try and move on. Right? It's like, oh, no, nah, come on, you can delve a little bit more, just you know, really get involved with the source material. And that's the way you 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 learn. You 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 pull it apart, you're critical, you asking questions. And I find that quite difficult in an interview format. So that's what I've learned. And then I try and gear some of the questions that, that I have by trying to set up the scientific description or rationales so that they're there ready for the guest to then package that into like three tips. What would be your recommendations? All of a sudden you've got direct short tips that you could potentially take out and apply yourself. So it's discussion of the science, pull out your conclusions with the help of the guest. Okay, now go away, use that information and be critical, put it into your training program, reflect on it. How did it go? You know, there's, you know, that's what's been so great about this season is that that's what I want our guests to do because I actively do that myself.
1: Yeah. What do you think your biggest podcasting mistake has been?
0: Podcasting mistake?
1: Hmm. Well, that's it. You know, we don't want to take them into series four, do we? So I'm just trying to iron out the (laughs) kinks now.
0: Yeah, um, I think my biggest mistake so far has been around maybe not allowing the guest to explain certain key terms just to make sure that everyone that's listening is up to speed. Because you might have yeah. someone that's listening that has years of experience in coaching. You have might have someone that's getting that's new to getting into running. Like you want to have that information accessible to both. So if it means just taking a bit of time to allow, okay, what does that mean? Uh, Could you explain what that term means? Oh, for those of you that might not be familiar with this, this is what this means. Uh, That's probably the main thing I think I've got better at as the 12 episodes have gone through. Um, Yeah. There's a lot of skills that you learn regarding preparation. This isn't me just like writing a list of questions and then just like, okay, let's wing it. There's a lot of preparation that goes into this to try and make sure that you get the right messages
1: when you're writing your questions, what are you looking for in those questions? What what sort of outcomes are you hoping for?
0: I try and structure it in three parts, I think. First of all, I want to get to know the guest. Yep. So... Usually that means the basic introduction questions, tell me a bit more about yourself and, okay, you work in this area or you have this business, you have this thing you're about to release. Tell me the background behind it. How did that come into, into play? So I want to get a bit of background so that the listener can understand why this is a particular passion for this guest. Then they'll have like the midsection where the questions are around the particular topic or scientific principle that we want to discuss. So for example, with Luke Hughes, Dr. Luke Hughes, it was around blood flow restriction training. So around trying to understand the mechanisms behind that. For Adam Matusi, for example, it was more about trying to understand what goes on at the ballet. And then after that, it's more the application and hopefully from the application, I can lead into those key messages that will be the like final questions. So it's how do you apply it? Have you had any experience with it going wrong? What I like about that is the questions before set the scene and then you can get the recommendations, but also that will allow the guests, I say opinion or perception on, on everything to come through with those messages as well. Like, I know most scientists would try and be as objective. They don't want to be biased.
1: No. You still want an opinion, don't you?
0: Yeah, exactly. You want an opinion. Yeah. Because your opinion can be, you know, be laden with self-doubt. Well, we think it's this, but maybe not. But at least you have, like, a, a very genuine response from the guest. And yeah. I think the application type questions allow the genuine response to come through.
1: Yeah, it would be such a boring podcast if people just stayed on their side of safety and were like, no, nah, well, mm. we don't really have enough data. Oh, there's more research to be done. Oh, It, it would be so dull, yeah. so rough. Those are all very important points
0: regarding you mm. know, not enough data, but you can still have a conclusion based on the limited knowledge that you have there because then you're suggesting, oh, well, we need to do this to find out a bit more. Um,
1: yeah. So let's find out a bit more. Let's jump into, uh, where should we start? Let's start at the beginning. Episode one of this most recent series. We started with Lonas. Oh, Lonas. Lonna's. You've got yourself a little safety net there. Your first interview was with one of your best mates. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping it safe. Just keeping it nice and close in case, you know, it doesn't go well. Tell me about Lonna's interview.
0: Well, the Lonna's interview was great. And I was... I was always very surprised that he hadn't been involved with a uh, podcast uh, before then so I really wanted to right. get him quick before we started because like he's such a charismatics guy and he has such a rich history and experience in coaching teaching the lot so I'm like why has no other podcast picked him up and then I saw another podcast had I was like, oh quick 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 so all of a sudden you know <laughs> Ben's services became very much in wanted but um one of the key things that really stood out for me in that episode was his honesty around relationships within a team or a system. Because yeah. uh, I, don't know, I don't know if you see it on Instagram as well. A lot of people talk about the importance of leadership, communication, teamwork, and then you have people coming yeah. on to podcasts talking about the same thing. You know, what is performance to you? What is communication? What is leadership to you? and people's responses have become almost the same and it makes me think are people just reading from the same hymn sheet here is what people say in podcasts actually the same as what happens in real life because how they applied it yeah and then it was a really important thing that lon has said that made me think oh maybe there's actually a little bit more to this because he started talking about oh, you know, I've I've heard certain coaches They talk about the importance of this, they talk about the importance of this uh, and developing relationship with the people above, you know, in the same level or the athletes that you're working with. And then you actually speak to the athletes and they're like, oh, he's, that person's a bit of a twat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, th- so what? where's the issue here? Is the issue that this person's on a podcast lying as to, yep. or does he or, he or she know what's important, but he's n- they're not actually putting it into place in a professional setting or are they just completely unaware he perceives that what he's doing is exactly what he's describing in a podcast but then when it comes to the you know real life situation it's not actually working so yeah that lack of
1: situational awareness
0: yeah that and yeah I I thought it was fascinating because it made me start to think oh how much is that that must happen in a lot there must be so many different people saying, you know, this, this, this is important. But who actually does that well? Does everyone perceive mm. themselves as doing it well? Well, I'm a coach. So it's all about developing relationships. So I'm good at it. Yeah. But if everyone was good at it, why are we still talking about it? <laughs> I, think there's, I think there's just more yeah. to it. Why well, is it not nature? Yeah. And I think Lon has really highlighted that well.
1: Yeah. He was really honest about the differences of training men and women. Yeah. And how moving into those environments, he had to level up and adapt and listen and really listen, like really, really yeah. listen before he made decisions. That that came across really clearly. You yeah. just don't hear that enough, I don't think.
0: No. Yeah, everyone wants to be the one making a decision or pushing forward rather than just taking a step back just to listen to what's going on. Um, yeah. And the reason why I thought it was really profound that Lon has talked about this is because I know firsthand how much people think highly of him yeah you know if he's saying that the coach's perception might not be what they think like he'll if you ask him he'll be incredibly humble but if you yeah. ask the the athletes and the coaches that work around him, they will sing nothing but high praises so this is someone that has that listening ability that communication ability and he does it well so i'm just like okay who talks a good game but doesn't do it well compared to loners who does do it well? Because I've spoken to the athletes he works with, uh, and the people that he works with, and he is that good at it. I think it maybe things will change in the near future. Of you know what what communication, relationship building is good, but what are the key things that ultimately develop it?
1: Yeah, It's that passion for serving others as well, isn't it? That's the difference. Mm. That's uh, I think that's come across in quite a few interviews. Like the, yeah. the passion for the, the long-term outcomes, not the short-term wins. Rob mm. Anderson was another person that sort of demonstrated that with working with youth athletes. There's a long-term win here. You don't just get the short-term gain. You listen, you learn, you give them the best opportunity they can to move forward.
0: Rob Anderson is another coach that, you know, everyone speaks so highly about. The way he's worked his way within Scottish Rugby Football Union and the, the athletes that he's worked with to get them to the stage that they have shows that he just has that ability as well.
1: Yeah. So let's jump into EP2. Bernie. You had a yeah. lot in common with Bernie. The impact of stress. And this is bigger than just performance and sport, isn't it? This is like mm. getting the basics right at the life level. When you're not performing, yeah. how are you looking after yourself? Um, how did that interview go? What did you take away from that one?
0: Well, I I always knew that was going to be a difficult episode. And when I was listening back to the episode, I was like, oh, I didn't really explain that well, um, just because the topic is difficult for me to talk about. Uh, I have no yeah. problem talking about it, but I still find it hard to talk about it. So, yeah, kind of. The, that's why I kind of wanted to speak to Bernie because I know we have similar backgrounds from that you you're always wondering like okay this happened to me but why you always you know want to understand a little bit more so speaking to people like bernie who have been through situations as well where you know it just got a bit too much allows you to maybe think a bit more deeply because you just don't want to go back there and then well okay what i thought was most profound was the discussion around high achievers um right because I know it's it's what's good at the moment and popular on social media is how it is okay to not be okay. It's okay Mm. to be vulnerable sometimes and actually speak to people. However, it does seem the ones that need the most help are the ones that are most quiet and you have a point where people will go, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, and then crash. There's no awareness of how... The stress is building up. And it's very similar to training. So if you go week one, you do some training. Week two, you do a little bit more training. Technically, you could progress linearly, you know, just add a little bit more each week. But you don't. You probably have a deload week at some point just to make sure that you don't go over the top. And it's the same with life, but we don't view it the same. So you add more stress add more stress and stress can you know Bernie was very good at highlighting how stress comes in different forms add more stress add more stress I'm fine add more stress and it's always you're fine until you're not and there's I think those are the people that need someone like Bernie a health coach just to give them the self-awareness to make sure that break doesn't happen because there's no point working so hard until you break Let's just try and alter a few things. And they seem very subtle things that they alter, but those subtle things are going to have a profound effect.
1: Yeah. As she made out as well, like it's not the last thing that makes you snap. It's it's a continuation of smaller things building up and you need to mm. look back to work out what the real stresses are. It's not going to be this one thing. It's always going to be multifactorial. There's always going to be several things pulling you in multiple directions. It's being aware of what's happening. How are all these things piling up? And I thought that was a really good key point because I think a lot of people just react to the last thing that caused them stress as opposed to having a holistic yeah. view and reviewing, taking a second and
0: having a look back. People want that one thing to blame. So that last thing that happens, yeah, yeah that was the thing. So yeah. you, you have something, it could be physical, but you can see it. I want to blame. That's my reason why I felt this bad now. Uh, when you're right it's all those little things that add up and because they're so little you don't see their true effect you don't see the sum of their parts really do you of all those different stresses yeah and I, yeah i think she's right those high achievers those that are constantly striving to do more and more and more because they have such high goals for themselves because they're so focused on one thing they don't see all that stuff piling up i what i really want to do is promote bernie as a health coach because if anyone's really struggling like really just go go you know give her a message um because she will she will work wonders she'll work absolute wonders so and also one thing i liked about having that you know it wasn't overly sporty yeah we talked about exercise and you know when you probably could or shouldn't do exercise because it could be good for you or it could actually be worse for you but it was a bit more away from the like, okay, this is human performance. We're going to get better. No, this is, you know, those softer review skills, which are important.
1: Yeah. I mean, high performance, you need to be able to sleep. And sleep is one of the things that gets Mm. affected the quickest when you're stressed. So you cannot improve. You cannot perform at your best if you are not sleeping. So I think that's just just like the subtle link there with Bernie's stuff. And she alluded Mm. to it quite a lot. Like you need to be aware of all of the things in your life Because you can't push and do a run and then try and do all the family stuff and then try and work because you've wasted your energy on a thing that wasn't going to really improve anyway. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really good. Uh, Where should we go next? Let's pick another episode. Let's jump into Dr. Luke Hughes. I enjoyed this one because I'm always a fan of seeing a fad on Instagram. And you never know if it is a fad or if it is, you know, something that can change your performance, something that can improve your life. And blood flow restriction was something I had no idea about, but I'd seen people like tightening up their little special T-shirts and stuff, and I didn't, I didn't understand the method behind it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's quite a fascinating topic, isn't it? Because. Mm. especially when it started to develop this was years ago people were starting to get involved but they didn't have access to the the stuff that they sell now and i've seen people use like bike inner tubes to try and tie it around their arms (laughs) and it, it looks a bit well. that's a bit much isn't it are you causing damage there yeah Quite possibly was not, but it, quite possibly if they were doing it incorrectly, it, it could have done. But uh, it just looks quite yeah. barbaric. Um, so now things have been released, n- new pieces of equipment that are, you can readily available and you can buy. Uh, all of a sudden, loads of people are doing it, but it's like, oh, what's this? And then they'll they'll look at it and see, check out that guy's veins. Get that on my arms. <laughs> yeah. So vascular. Oh. <laughs> and then uh, see, yeah, exactly. And then you see that and you think. Okay, from a marketing perspective, they're they're trying to tap into that those people that are like, I want big arms, I want to improve my size uh, to help the way I look, you know, fine. That's all good. Um, So automatically, you think that someone that's marketed that way, how does that actually have any performance benefits that's purely for aesthetics? Uh, And then you you speak to Luke, and it's like, that's just not the case. Uh, This has been utilised for a number of years within the medical profession, and it's only really now that it's starting to be used in performance. And I think that was one of the things that really stood out for me from a performance-wise. Yeah. Uh, so we always talk about this minimal dose effect. You want to do this amount of training that is enough to improve, that's going to improve your sporting performance. Anything above that level, then it, you could argue that it's junk volume, uh, you, you know that it could actually be increasing the amount of fatigue that you're experiencing which could in turn lead to a decrease in performance right sure and then all of a sudden this thing comes along where because you're not lifting as much because when you've got the cuff on you can only lift around 20 to 40 percent of what your perceived heaviest is Mm -hmm. um you're getting less mechanical damage and the the but you're getting similar adaptations from you know the hypoxic environment creates a very metabolic environment which develops similar adaptations to if you're lifting very heavy now that must be great from a population where if you're injured but if you think of it from a performance perspective we're always looking for ways of athletes to do less training so they are more fresh to actually perform the sport that they need to do Mm -hmm. so if you can utilize this to get a similar adaptation to lifting heavy all of a sudden they wouldn't have to lift as heavy as often they would recover more quickly less fatigue which then in turn means that they could be more fresh when actually if they've they've got a game at the weekend or the you know some kind of event that's coming up and reduce injury
1: quite quite possible especially thinking more the fatigue performing under fatigue you're at risk
0: yeah certainly exactly that especially you know a lot of the injuries that occur in sort of team sports we seem to use that as an example at the moment but they occurred during the last 20 minutes of a game those are those soft right. tissue injuries that have occurred because you know the, the tissue itself is asked to do a certain amount of work and it's and it's tired so it's not functioning as well as it could and then it just overstresses the the tissue and then it yeah I'm not saying it ruptures or anything like that but those muscle strains uh could then lead you getting into a poor position
1: probability increase shall we say
0: yeah exactly that so if you had something that enabled you to do this less training but with the same adaptation you're going to jump on that aren't you you're going to absolutely jump on it and
1: yeah for sure
0: sounds like the research isn't quite yet done on that but it's really promising and it's heading in that direction so you know, watch the space, and you never know. We, in two years' time, we might need to bring Luke back on the the podcast because blood flow restriction training research has just, you know, exploded, and we know so much more. So that's something to look out
1: for. I think, so you, are you going to buy a device? Oh, they're expensive. Um, because come on, you're a big podcast host now. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what I would like
0: to do, if if any of the big uh, companies that do sell them want to get in touch and do a bit of a n equals one type of experiment that we could do together to actually yeah. show that your equipment works, I think that would be great. Um, from Luke's recommendation, we want to use one that has a dial which shows how much pressure has been applied because yeah. you technically Consistently want to... as well. Exactly that. So mm. what were the recommendations? So you've got 100%, it means you're stopping all... The, the Venus return and then you yep. want to then loosen it to around 70% of that but really if you're going to be accurate with that you need some form of dial that shows what you're doing definitely <laughs> you can't just have yeah yeah bike right inner tubes you know um so just guessing
1: feels about right
0: yeah Ooh, feels 70% <laughs> what, what does <laughs> that mean can you feel 70% of pressure yeah, 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 yeah exactly sure I can, yeah. oh but this one's 50 All Right, do it up more <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome that was a good effort i enjoyed that one because it, it like directly spoke to something that i was seeing in inst- on instagram so mm. and it was a bit more sciencey yeah it was sciencey it was
0: it, it was a bit more sciencey but he would explained it so well yeah which uh which i thought was great like it was um luke's great guy so
1: it, talking of explaining things well segue uh <laughs> steve griffiths yeah uh what a guy I mean, it, yeah. this was another sort of along the lines of Bernie, maybe not directly sort of human performance in terms of actual performance, but mindset and belief so important to anyone looking to improve their performance really outside of the game. Yeah, it was great to get Steve on
0: because like I kind of said at the beginning of his episode, there's a lot of people that talk about mindset, but you've got a certain few that are just that cut above. And out of all my like close friends within the sort of strength and conditioning community human performance community they okay, go. this guy speak to this guy um he really knows his stuff he really just makes you change the way you think I was like okay mm. so i've got to speak to this guy so i got steve on really lovely guy and the way when he spoke it just made you reflect and go that just makes so much sense now and then there's at times yeah. where oh yeah i do that so i'm doing yeah. stuff without really knowing it. And he's kind of framing it in a way within beliefs, thoughts, and emotions, and you're thinking, ah, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Because whenever I have a day, or even a spare 30 minutes, where I'm able to, let's call it, recenter yourself and make sure that you're reflecting on what you believe to be true, you feel so much better. You feel less anxious because everything feels laid out a bit more in front of you. Uh, And then he kind of explained why that happens. And that's never really been explained to me before. So the idea around, okay, you've got your beliefs. Those beliefs then affect your thoughts about them. And then your emotions are directly developed because of your thoughts. Well, that makes complete sense. And then you think, okay, if they're all stemming from your beliefs, beliefs aren't facts. They are your perception of what you perceive to be true. And those can be changed. So if you just... Be aware of those beliefs think oh i've actually perceived it in this way but really that's not true or it doesn't have to be true it could be true it's only true at the moment because i perceive it to be true yeah but i can change that then all of a sudden your thoughts about that thing are different and then you have different emotions being developed and that
1: you know that surely that's the base of everything to me i thought that's yeah. the base of everything but it's a practical application he was like using it to triage scenarios if there was a stressful situation you can look back and go right what is my belief about this and then from there he was distilling how do i respond to this in the most effective way and i think that's that's mm-hmm. just so important for people just to control your reaction because you don't you don't need to react the way you are it, it might be the way it is but you can react however you choose depending on mm-hmm. how you perceive your own beliefs so powerful, really good. Yeah,
0: it was, yeah it was incredible, and you start to see like he does quite a lot of work with elite sports uh, athletes. Like he really does. He doesn't advertise it as much. It's kind of like okay, you need to speak to this guy. Uh, whereas because he's a, he's a trader by you know his profession, uh, but he does this on top. But he you know he's still speaking
1: to elite athletes. So, but it's in trading the prominent traders. Once you've placed your trade, it's out of your hands. You should be stressed before the trade, not once you've placed it. Mm -hmm. And that's the same process of that you can't control it once you've done it. You can change your mind and pull your money out, but that's not the purpose of the trade. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: it's about understanding right what are the risks before you do something. And then when you're in it, whether you're in the trade or you're in a game, you're in it. You can't change it now. You just have to react as best as possible to what's in front of you. Mm. just controlling that emotion that way mm. yeah. yeah I like that one
0: yeah it was a good one wasn't it
1: another good one Adam Matusi yes had no idea about ballet I mean yeah what an insight I can't believe the the amount of training these dancers do it's insane it's that's insane performance because every rehearsal is almost as full on as a performance right Mm-hmm.
0: Pretty much. I mean, it would depend on dancer rank uh, and how many productions are going on. But yeah, the the way I I saw it and when I first learned about this, took a step back and you can imagine the the ballet dancers just thinking that's normal. Well, I've got to do it because Mm. I've got to practice for my performance. And then you get someone that's a coach and that programs different types of plyometrics Ballistic jumping type activities, and then they look at that and think, "Whoa, well, that's insane!" <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but to them, it's normal, and that's the that's the crazy thing. Um, yeah, but when when you take it, yeah, really take a step back and think, okay, if they are jumping continuously for six to eight hours a day, like that, just really highlights how important someone like Adam Matusi. And his work in physically preparing these dancers for their shows just shows how important it is. And S&C support is well known for all sports, yet it doesn't seem to be as well known for those with an artistic nature, uh, like ballet. So it's like, okay, right, we're going to change this. Let's make sure everyone is aware of just how incredible these dancers are and how it's essential their physical preparation is. One other interesting fact I, they've found, the reason it's come into my head is because I spoke to Adam on Thursday. The dancers are going away for a four-week break uh, and they have to make sure that they give them training programs to do while on their break because okay. the time when they get a peak in injuries occurring at the Royal Ballet is when they return from holiday. So they've got really? all of this... Yeah, all this dancing and practicing, and then all of a sudden they stop for four weeks. It's when they suddenly have to switch that back on that the injuries come about. So they just have to do enough while away to try and reduce the chance of shocking the body into like, what the hell is this? And they can just sort of resume back into it.
1: There must be mental preparation as well to that, right? Being in that mindset of moving that way. I think if you just stop moving in certain ways, you don't remember how to you know do the movement effectively and stuff so it's mind and body I guess isn't it I guess it's that
0: feeling of oh I'm a bit rusty but then you do yeah. the same a volume <laughs> while feeling a bit rusty performing uh, uh yeah 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 quite awesome. so yeah that's why I particularly love that episode and so I'm part of Anna Matusi's PhD team right and i love going down to the royal ballet to see them. i haven't done it too much recently because of uh covid but it's like okay we've got a phd meeting right we're going to the royal ballet aren't we and it's just <laughs> such a cool environment to see what they've got down there um yeah you know have got their rehearsal rooms and sometimes they're performing on the stage and then you go sort of upstairs uh and then you've got you know there's got the physios you've got the rehabbers people do certain pilates things they've got such a cool setup there the sports science at the Royal Ballet is very very good, so
1: that's why they're the best in the world.: Why they're the best in the world yeah so yeah that, that I think that's a, that's a good little review of season three. Yeah, definitely. I mean
0: every single episode was was really, really good. yeah, loved every single and I learned so much from each one, uh, so it just makes me even more excited for season four because we've got some great guests coming on as well already. We've got them all lined up
1: yeah, all lined up, ready to go. Uh, can you tease any of the sort of topics that we're heading into in season four yes so again try to get a bit of a
0: balance between the sort of the athlete side and people going for certain challenges to the more sciencey side and finding or discussing certain scientific principles and how we can put them into practice so from so from the athlete and adventure side we have someone that's going for the trying to climb the 14 highest peaks in the world there's 14 mountains that are over 8,000 meters so they're going to do that and hopefully if they are if they do do it they'll be the young youngest person to ever achieve that and actually break the record by seven years so that's going to be impressive and then someone else is coming that's doing to raise money for charity they are running the marathon desablers and then rowing the atlantic wow so you know huge huge events where it's like okay what training are you doing and then what's your mental preparation because we want to know
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: so that's more the sort of like adventure athlete side and then we've got a -hmm. few topics from all the science side Uh, we've Mm -hmm. definitely talked about we're going to be talking about hybrid training the ability to um, train for both strength and endurance at the same time another one on the you know maybe a fad got someone talking about compression garments yep which was a good one. We've actually already recorded that one. That was wicked. And oh, was and training in the heat is coming up as well. Interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I, I really find environmental physiology fascinating. Yeah. So. Why? During season four, season... I, I, I just think it's a huge limiter that people forget.
1: Right. Sure. I always
0: think that people are really interested in seeing the extremes Mm. so if you think of the extremes in terms of what an athlete can do in an environment you think in high altitude yeah high pressure so really underwater yeah very hot very cold in space right yeah so i'm like (laughs) okay all of those are just fascinating so how does the body react into it yeah because yeah we, we see people push themselves to the limits during sport but then what happens if you try to do that at the extremes of the environment? Like it's a different ball game. right? Um, that's why I find it fascinating. So we're going to do some discussions around training in the heat. Um, so, and hopefully we'll be also at some point do all of the other extremes as well.
1: Nice. You like to do this at the end of the podcast. So I'm going to do it to you. Who would Ooh. you like to have on the progress theory before the end of season four?
0: You know... When I ask this question, it always throws people out a bit. They're like, oh, right, I've got. Th- oh, I really got to think about no, that. Now you can feel their pain. And now I've had it, now I know exactly how it feels.
1: <laughs> I have to edit this normally.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> one person did say The Rock, and I'd love to yeah. interview The Rock, just from his ability to manage, communicate, and his... Uh, mindset around just achieving goals he's
1: a positive vibe guy isn't he
0: positive vibe guy and you know not many people have interviewed him normally the top people in their field have usually ended up on the joe rogan podcast Mm. but he hasn't yet so i reckon he would be so you
1: want to beat joe rogan to it yeah maybe that's what you need to send him hey can we beat joe rogan can you just jump on the progress theory for me yeah if we're thinking like anyone, I guess
0: Rock would be anyone. Okay, Roger Federer is my hero. So okay, let's get let's get Feds on. He might um, be available
1: he, in between tournaments.
0: <laughs> he might be available now, but you know, just see what he's done to try and make sure that he's kept his. I was going to say kept his body in shape to compete uh, at Wimbledon. At, you mm. know, he's forty next month, which is you know insane. More from him because I think he has he's he's the goat because he changed the culture of the sport okay so there were you know incredibly successful tennis players before him yeah no one had that cultural impact like federer did no one was that dominant now it's expected of people to be that dominant at the top yeah he changed he changed all of that you know to be that dominant over so many different surfaces so yeah he would be nice he would be someone that would be really good In terms of science, I'd love to do Brian Cox, interview Brian Cox. I mean, it's a bit, it's not so much human performance, but that's me being selfish. It's your show. Yeah. Speaking of of environmental physiology, uh, there's a professor at Portsmouth Uni called Professor Tipton, who's Mm -hmm. done a lot in terms of certainly athletes in the cold. Um, Okay. I, I, I saw a lecture from him years ago. I think he would be really cool to have on so um, to counterpoint
1: your uh, heat
0: yeah yeah and um, I think he'll be wicked he'll be really knowledgeable
1: beautiful stuff well I think you've done famously season 3 has been an absolute success thousands of downloads lots of people engaging I'm looking Mm. forward to season 4
0: yeah and thank you for doing such an amazing job producing this show like uh, it really adds the finesse to it Uh, and um, (laughs) yeah (laughs) Ultimately, when we, we started working together, you know, I really w- didn't want that interview style uh, and mm. allowing, having a producer helps with that immeasurably because mm. not only are you giving me instructions, but at the same time, the editing, even though it's conversational anyway, it feels more conversational the way it's edited as well. So it's exactly what yeah. I wanted to th- So thank you so much, uh, Matt, for doing that.
1: You're very welcome. Onwards and upwards, mate. Exactly. I can't wait. It's going to be good. See you for the next season review.
0: will do. See you
1: then.